0: Hello there, I'm Miranda Gretton and this is Take a Moment with NCHC, the show where we talk to you and your colleagues about experiences that affect you. Listen on your drive between patients or in your downtime, whenever you get the chance to take a moment. So my name is Jenny Gilbert. I am an occupational therapist and clinical lead of the wheelchair service. I've never spoken to anyone about this service before I haven't used the service myself I don't know a huge amount about it so mm. tell me a bit about the service first of all what is it is it literally as it sounds providing wheelchairs for people
1: yeah but it's also a lot more than that we dip our toes into so many different services that you've probably come across us but you might not have known so the way that we work is we see anyone age three right the way up to 300 if they're still going. We get such a wonderful variety, but because of that, it means that we dip into children's services. We dip into the neuro, we dip into elderly fools. We've got so many different strings to our bows and I love it. We see such a great variety of people. I mean, essentially, yes, we dish out wheelchairs, but we do so much more than that. We see people's lives go from being in one room or just stuck in their armchair to being able to move around the house, to being able to go out and about with their family and to be able to go to school, go to day services. We're enabling so much. And when you see someone who's maybe a new spinal injury and they are struggling with that whole process and we put them in a wheelchair that is just so well set up that they can do so much. It's just fantastic. I've got goosebumps thinking about it because we're just so lucky to be able to do that in someone's life and the other thing that I really love about it is that we keep people right the way through so we might see someone age three and then we'll see them every year all the way up so I've got colleagues that have worked in the service for almost 20 odd years and they have followed these young people into adults
0: and that's just so rewarding you can't do that in another service we're so lucky it's interesting to me that it's not just about putting someone in a piece of hardware and dealing with the kind of physical side of it do you have to then get involved with people's mental health as well in terms of how they understand their injury and come to terms with what's happened and then obviously use the kit Mm, yeah I mean
1: the thing with a wheelchair is that maybe in other services someone might be looking to walk again looking to move themselves a bit more independently the thing with a wheelchair is that it's often highlighting that that's someone's potential that that's what they've got to and I think people see that as a really negative thing but we don't we see it as being able to enable someone to do more and sometimes it's a really big decision to be a wheelchair user it's a really brave decision for someone to say actually no I'm not safe walking anymore or you know to enable a, a child to move themselves independently that's a really big thing for a parent to do so um Yeah, it's it's really difficult. We dip into a lot of areas there and we've got a fantastic clinician whose background is in mental health. And it's so interesting seeing how she works with people in such a a unique way. And very often it's not about the wheelchair at all. It's about everything else that someone's dealing with. And it's it's tough. It is very emotionally challenging. But when
0: you get it right, it's so rewarding. I can imagine. And Obviously, there's a lot there that I wouldn't have thought about in relation to the service. But is there anything else about the wheelchair service that people might not know that is maybe, you know, an interesting fact?
1: I find it really interesting that when you think of a wheelchair you maybe think of someone moving it with their arms you might think of a powered wheelchair where someone's driving it with their hand we have people that drive with their chin so they're power chair drivers they they're able to drive with their chin they might have a sip and puff so they blow into a straw that moves the chair that a lot of our chairs are so advanced now that they are able to integrate into other um, devices so someone might be able to turn the telly on from the chair So actually, like we're really, really integrated, and the chair is like an extension of a lot of our patients. It's not just something that we give to someone; it's something that that they help build with us very often. So we might work with someone to really build what they want, and and it might be a way up between function, so being able to do what they need to do, and comfort and posture and everything else. So between us all, it's a very collaborative. Process and I think often when you think of the wheelchair service, you think of us doing to people, but that's not what that's not what we do. It's so much more about what the patient is bringing and what they want. And sometimes we might have them sitting in a way that isn't ideal, but if that means that they can put the washing up or they can take the dog for a walk, then that's the important
0: thing to them. So in a way, that must have come along with technical advancements that have mm. just sort of come in in over the years and that sounds like it's come a long way I can imagine not even that long ago it would have been just here as a chair it's the only one we've got kind of get on with it so yeah. I mean how long has the service been going? The service has been here as long as time I think
1: I mean some of our colleagues in the service have been there for you know going, going on 20 years or so some even I think almost 30 years and that's amazing to see the changes and even when you speak to some of our patients they'll have had like a a bit of a rust bucket that they used to sort of go around in and now they've got quite a quite an exciting bit of kit and um it's it's challenging because with with big kit comes a lot of expense and so there's something that we do called a personal wheelchair budget which is where we give someone the amount of money that we would have spent on a chair and they could have a look on a private market or top up within our range so it it allows the patient to have a lot more independence and control over how they manage that that aspect of their budget which has really changed the way that things have worked over time and changed the way that we interact with them And, and what I've noticed even just over the few years that I've been in the service is that people have really become a lot more empowered and they might come to an appointment saying this is something that I've seen would it work for me so our knowledge base is much bigger than just our immediate range of chairs it's as big as every, not every chair, but it's much bigger because we have to be aware of everything else that's out there to enable our patients to get the best care and the best from their equipment. But yeah, it's really interesting when you look even back on some of the chairs that are becoming obsolete that we're needing to replace, that are basically a static wheelchair with a bit of a power pack on them. And now we've got these amazing devices that will, rise that will tilt will recline and and what that does to someone's posture and their function is just astounding you know to be able to adjust someone's posture to be able to tilt themselves that they're not having to go to bed as frequently during the day to be able to relieve their pressure to be able to even have a seat raise if they purchased it as a top up and then that means that they can reach the top shelf of their cupboards and things so things are changing all the time and a lot of what we do is about project awareness and we work very closely with our um, different companies that come in and, and support us with clinics and we couldn't do what we do without them and having that knowledge base is so important And even as a team we're not just made up of occupational therapists or physiotherapists we have rehab engineers in the team we work very closely with our amazing repair service to ensure that we're a, a full team and we're running as as good a service as we can for our patients but We rely heavily on that change in skill set and having those other clinicians with different knowledge to come together as a full team and provide the
0: best care that we can. As you were talking there, I was thinking the aspect of listening to the patients and getting that feedback on what would make their life easier. And then, like you say, you know, working with the services, the people who provide the chairs and the technological side of it all You know, you could potentially feed back to the chair manufacturers and say, oh, have you thought about creating one that does this? You know, is that something that you guys think you could have the power to do?
1: So we actually do. We take that feedback and we go back to the companies and, you know, we say, have you ever tried to adjust this footplate? What a nightmare. And they they listen to that and they change things. And I don't think people always appreciate just how powerful as a service, you know, we can be. I always say when that patient's in the room with me, they are the number one person and the most important person. And we don't always get it right. It's not an easy job that we do trying trying to make sure that we're meeting everyone's needs, especially when some of those Um, expectations of what we can provide might not match up with what someone is able to do. So someone might really love to be able to move themselves independently. But if they don't have the ability to do that anymore, what can we do instead? And so sometimes, you know, we're delivering really, really tough news. And that's not an easy thing to do. And having the skill to be able to do that sensitively, because unlike other teams, we don't discharge them. They stay with us for life. So we have to get that relationship right.
0: It's so important. That is a really good point, isn't it? That we are we are used to rehabilitating our patients and then waving them off. Good luck for the rest of your life kind of thing. And then obviously refer, refer back if you need us again. But nine times out of 10, I guess people don't. But yeah. like, yeah, to hear that you have them for for life is, is a huge relationship building exercise that you have to do right at the start. If you were to get that wrong what would happen i mean they they still ha- there isn't is there another service in norfolk that they could use i mean do you know i'm mean? not that i'm suggesting you would get it wrong but i just think you know there must be some people who like you say it's a sensitive subject what if someone took it really badly and just you know there was anger there there was resentment there was frustration and that relationship didn't go as well as you hoped it would you know has that happened yeah so i think i mean as a as a team as humans,
1: we don't love everyone that we meet. We don't get on with everyone that we meet. I might have someone come into my clinic and for some reason we don't gel And that's fine. That's why we have a team that we do. We don't keep the same individual person right the way through, because also I might look at a problem slightly differently. We'd always get to the same result, but a colleague with a different background might think of it in a different way. So it's so important, actually, as a team, a patient doesn't become reliant on one person. If I'm the person that meets someone and says, you're going to be a full-time wheelchair user forever. I imagine that they probably won't like me that much. And that's okay. I'm not there to be liked, it would be nice. But my job is to ensure that someone gets the best care. Sometimes that means moving them around and making sure that they're seeing some other people and, and, Perhaps just someone different might have a different way or someone delivering news on a better day for that person might just be what they need. You know, I think taking things too personally can be a problem sometimes. And, and that's not something that as a team we do because we know that we are going to support this person forever. And, and equally, it means that we build some really nice relationships with people and people will come back to the service in terms of what we the area that we cover and do people have any other options no is the quick answer so in 2018 the west norfolk um service the wheelchair service for the whole of the west went into administration we took them over overnight and have you know built up a a clinic over there and we cover the whole of norfolk apart from the east coast now I think that's the other benefit of having the personal wheelchair budget is that there are other options outside of our remit now. It's not an NHS chair or nothing. People have the option to utilise that finance as they would like to. And I'm not aware of anyone that has been at a stage where they just won't engage with the service. We've always been able to manage expectations well enough, but we are often the bearer of bad news and that's okay sometimes people need someone to
0: have frustrations with and and we get that our Mm -hmm. clinicians take a lot on their shoulders when it comes to Mm -hmm. to giving bad news and and receiving Mm -hmm. that kind of feedback and I think it you know it must make you guys a really strong team if you can turn to each other for support
1: yeah definitely I mean we've got a, a team around us where we feel quite settled I think or we're getting there there's a lot of bigger projects going on in the wheelchair service you know we're almost looking ahead at sort of five ten years time before we're at the point that we want to be and I think we'll constantly be chasing a ball down a hill but the relationship that we have with our repair service as well who are also in-house they're also NCHC staff they are brilliant and we definitely have built a really good relationship with them over the years and um yeah, you, you need to be able to come back from a difficult day and talk to colleagues and say, oh, this happened and this wasn't this didn't go to plan and this wasn't quite right. And what would you do? And to bounce that idea off someone is so important. None of us have all the answers and we're all always learning. And I think that's the other thing that I love about the wheelchair service is that I haven't had a day yet where I've not learned something don't think any of my colleagues have we're always learning things and that's what's so rewarding about it is that things are always changing
0: so in terms of the team you're a line manager um so you're uh, slightly perhaps a bit more senior in the team but you're also interestingly quite young in this role is that right <laughs>
1: well thank you very much
0: <laughs> um in terms of
1: running the service leading the service yeah i'm, I'm now Acting clinical lead, so I've moved into more of an operation and daily kind of leadership role within the team. I've been in post since the start of June. It's August now, so um, I am very, very new to it, and um, I've only actually been in in the wheelchair service for three years, and so and qualified for five. So things have happened quite quickly, and I wasn't really expecting that. I think what the service needed was actually someone who didn't know everything and could just be really curious and that's definitely something that I hope I am I don't know everything and so I'm very very nosy I want to know everything about every other service going on I think we're such a great service we're doing great things and yeah I'm so I am new to it but I'm learning as I go and I'm making mistakes and I'm learning from them but that's okay
0: so as a, a new manager in, what was the first thing you thought you wanted to tackle? Because it, it can be quite tempting to come in and change a whole bunch of stuff or, you know, launch a whole new load of new initiatives. And actually, that can be a little bit intimidating for the existing staff. So did you have that sense or did you do whether things you wanted to try and do or did you sort of sit back and see how things were run first? How? What was your approach? Yeah, yeah. So
1: I think because I'd been in the service as a senior clinician, so I'd been an OT in the an occupational therapist in the service for three years, I already had that sense of what the service maybe was looking like and where it might be going. So that was, I was really lucky in that sense because um, I had a little bit of the groundwork there. I think the experience of previous managers is that there's a lot of tail chasing, trying to get to a point where they can then implement some change. For me, it was about being really stable. There was a lot of flux going on in the team. We had a lot of people coming and going, a lot of changes. You know, We're constantly changing equipment. So for the service to feel stable was really important. So a lot of what I've done is just about writing down the processes of what we do, making sure everyone's doing the same thing. And sharing some of that knowledge so one of the main things that I've brought in is a thing called action learning sets so this is where as a clinical team during our we have a huddle so every Thursday we all get together as a clinical team someone presents a case that they're working on and as a team from you know our junior staff right the way up to Venu who's our link consultant who comes along to that meeting we all share our thoughts about it And it's really interesting actually to hear that even if someone hasn't been in the wheelchair service for long, they might look at it from a different perspective. They might consider something differently. So, for me, the main things that I wanted to do as a new line manager and a new manager within this very complex service was level it out, make it nice and stable, nice and secure for people, make sure people know where they stand, what they can do, what they can't do, make sure that everyone's happy and knows. What on earth is going on? And then to try and share that knowledge. So we have some of our colleagues are um, very you know, senior in their knowledge, but possibly working towards retirement. And I don't want them to go with all that knowledge. I want it. So um, I, I want to take all of the knowledge that I can from everyone around me. And I want that to be shared among the clinical team, because that's the only way that we're going to stay up to date and supersede ourselves we we will only get better through constantly learning and taking on knowledge
0: I think you know coming in as a new manager is obviously you've got this kind of energy that you're bringing to it um so just talking to anybody out there who might be an OT or or somebody who is thinking my what's my next step in terms of career progression you know is it a line manager is it a leader of some description but maybe Mm -hmm. they're thinking oh I'm you know a bit young do I need to Try do do something else first. You know, what's your advice to somebody thinking about their next step in their career progression?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say be really curious. I'm a terribly nosy person, and if I hear that something's interesting, something's happening, I'll say, "Can I come along to that?" I think for me, it wasn't about being a manager; it was about being passionate about something that I really, really enjoy, and. I really like seeing people improve and change. And for me, it was about supporting people to develop. I think also as a a woman, it's difficult to speak up and to say, I want to lead, I want to do this. You know, we know the research says that if a man were to apply for a job and they had of, I think it's like 20% of the skill, then they'd still go for it, whereas a woman needs at least 80% before they even consider applying. And um, I just think that's a real shame, how many women are out there that we're missing out on, because they aren't feeling that they're able to do something. So I just think being curious, and I wouldn't really say that there's been a massive jump from me being just a really curious, nosy senior clinician to now being a team leader, a clinical lead management, because I've just become curious in bigger
0: meetings.
1: (laughs) And I'm just asking my questions to bigger people. And they're giving me more big answers. I don't, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like you need to be something to learn how to do it. I mean, I'm really lucky at my, my line manager is Charlotte Wilson. She's fairly new into post as well. And she is very curious. And so I've really watched her just go and seek. She will just look for things and she will find things and she will go for it and she'll keep hunting things down. And if she wants to know how something works, she'll go and find the person that made the thing and ask them. And I just I think that curiosity is what you need if you're wanting to change. And actually not everyone is made to be a leader and sometimes being really curious within whatever line of work you do I think that's just as important
0: thank you for listening to take a moment with NCHC if you've enjoyed this podcast please visit the podcast intranet page to leave a comment and for details of our other episodes you can also follow NCHC on all social media channels